0: If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. If you're our guest with us this morning, we say a special welcome to you this morning. <clears throat> if you're new to Christianity or you're exploring Christianity and you don't have a Bible, um, we'd invite you to take one from under the seat. We uh, want to give that to you as a gift and take that and you can turn um, this morning to page 942. Page 942 will be on that page in that book under the seat. So the last two weeks, <clears throat> we've had the joy of celebrating Easter. And then <clears throat> this morning, we are resuming our study in Romans. We have been in Romans for a few months and we find ourselves in chapter five this morning. Let me do a quick recap of the first four chapters. So from chapter 1 to chapter 3, it's not that good. (laughs) The text is good. What's said in the text is not that good. Basically, in summation, Paul's writing to this church in Rome, and he explains that we are all messed up. Um, He explains that those that are immoral and selfish, as well as those um, that are self-righteous, that, that they both need Jesus. He goes on to explain that that there's, there's also good news, though, in the sense that there's no sin that's outside the grace of God, but then he quickly reminds us that there's no amount of righteous deed that gets us into God's grace. That it's Je- Jesus accomplishes it all. Then we looked at chapter 321 to the end of chapter 4, and we got into this massive theological teaching on this huge word that we don't necessarily use in everyday common language, but it's a huge, beautiful, biblical word of justification. We, we got into this word. This word, literally, it's a legal term. It means to be made right, be made right with God. And Paul paints this theological picture for us. He not only teaches what it means, but then he gives us an illustration. He lays out the patriarch of the Old Testament, named, this guy named Abraham, from Genesis 12 and 15, and he unpacks, he illustrates in a way of of one who was justified, that he was counted righteous because, not of what he did, but because he believed God. He trusted God. He put his faith in God. He was counted righteous before the law even came. And so he lays out this massive illustration. um, and, And what's so incredible about this, we answered this Pretty weighty th- theological question, right? Um, we asked this question, how were people in the Old Testament saved? How did they come to faith? How did they have assurance of heaven after earth? And we unpacked that. We, we looked at the reality. Matter of fact, the, the New Testament comments on this because in Galatians chapter 3, Watch this. Now, this is a nugget. Now, I'm, g- I'm giving you a mini sermon before the sermon, so it's two for one this morning, okay? Y'all are 11 o'clock. You're awake. You can handle this. All right, so watch this. What happens in Galatians 3.8, and the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. And the Scripture, this is another way of maybe saying that God did this through the Word. And so the Scripture, for seeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. So this good news came to Abraham in the form of a promise, okay? And watch this in John 8, John 8, 56, Jesus is engaging with some Jewish people there, and he says, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So what's going on here? Well, what's going on is is that the promise of the Messiah was given to Abraham, he believed God and was counted righteous. For us on this side of the cross, right, we're looking back at the provision that was made in Christ and we believe by faith and trust and we're counted righteous. It's not what we do, it's what's already been done. And so we answer some of these incredible questions. And then in chapter four, look at chapter four if you would, in verse 23, what it says, it says, but the words, it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone. Now, if you're recipients of this word, if you're Romans, if, you, if you're Messianic Jews in the Roman church at this day and time, and you're reading this, or this is being read to you publicly, and this, you've got a massive shift in pronouns getting ready to come. Right? It, it's going to be a little bit of a, 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 a snap of the head. Okay? Because this is so amazing. He says, but It wasn't written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Right? I mean, you start squirming in the seat when you hear that. Because you're just hearing all about Abraham and you're thinking possibly, well, what about me? What, about, what do I need to do to be made right with God? And he lays it out. Oh, the joys of justification. And so let's read. Let's read verses 1 through 11. Here he goes. Therefore, so in light of all this amazing good news that's been told about how we were sinners and yet we can be made right with God. Now, I want you to notice, I'm going to say this word quite a few times. All right, everybody look up real quick. I want you to look back at your text, but look at me for a second. What, what, just notice this word more or more than or much more as we read through this, right? I'm thinking it doesn't get any better than what I just read. <laughs> we have peace with God because we've been justified with God. That's good news. Okay, Much. so just notice the language. Verse 3. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Verse 6, all this stuff, we have been. We have peace. All these things, the joys of justification. This is not what we do. This is what God has done. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one, we were scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, here it is, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life, really, for real, Paul, more than that, are you kidding, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. <laughs> wow, what a text. We've got a lot of work to do, so let's pray. Father, this is good news to our souls. This morning... To use this text not to inform us, but to transform us. God, we come humbly, we sit under this word. We do not sit over this word. We sit under this word. So God, please work in Jesus' name. Amen. So listen, there's a lot of things that cause us to rejoice, is it not? There's a lot of things. There's things that are range from weddings and births of babies, to, to small things that cause us to rejoice. I, I know one, th- one thing sometimes um, as if I have a hard day and, and then I get home and then the real work starts at home, right? I get home to, to parent these four incredible children, crazy children. And, and, so and sometimes I'll need a little energy and so I'll, I'll take about 30 seconds to get joyed up, right? To reju- and I'll 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 pop into the pantry. I'll close the door. The kids are looking for me. Um, I'm just silent, right? And I go in stealth mode, and I'll take I'll take a spoon in there with me, and I'll take the peanut butter, and I'll take the top off, turn it over, I'll dump a few chocolate chips in the top of the top, right? They're loose, right? And I'll take the spoon and I'll scoop some peanut butter, and then I'll smash it down on top of the chocolate chips, right? I'm making a homemade lollipop, right, and then I just sit there for like 17 seconds, right? And just eat it. <laughs> I mean, I'm just so happy. And, 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 and then I come flying out the pantry ready to go to work, right? So from the smallest of things to the largest of things, right? In our culture, in our context, in our city, there was a ton of rejoicing on January 11th, 2015, right? Number two, Duke Blue Devils come to town. They come to the PNC arena, right? And, and, and we see this <clears throat> on, on CBS. This is a national televised game, right? You notice there's not a ranking beside NC State. Unfortunately, that's most of the case each year. But, but that's, so I still love you. If you're, God bless you. Hang in there. So, so number two comes to town. <clears throat> and, and there's this massive... You know, what's interesting about this particular game, this particular setting, was I was watching this game. I wasn't there at the game. But when I was at home, watching this game, I didn't respond like that, right? I mean, normally you, you, you I mean, some of you do. I know some of you are crazy, right? But I mean, for like 20, 30 minutes, you didn't jump up and down and all this stuff and screaming and hollering in your living room, right? Because there's something about being in it and it in you that then causes this massive rejoicing. And what I think it is about with Christ oftentimes is that when we remember and realize that we are in him and he is in us, it then causes this massive rejoicing, right? The, the word rejoice, maybe your translation says exalt. It's not E-X-A-L-T, it's E-X-U-L-T. And the difference is, is one is just praise to God and then one, one is to explode with joy. And this is the word. Translated also rejoice. It's to explode, rejoice. It literally means to joy again. To joy again, right? To, to rejoice. And oftentimes, these things that we rejoice in, they fade, right? They fade and we have to remember, we have to reflect back. And I'm going to argue with you this morning that the event of the year, the, right, the, event, the game of the year where another devil was beaten. <laughs> Let's just go there, right? where another devil was beaten, should cause the greatest amount of rejoicing that's, over, that's ever increasing, that will crescendo in one sense into this eternal praise of the Son of God. And so quickly, three truths this morning. Three reasons why we rejoice. Three reasons why we rejoice. Three reasons why we, listen, joy in our justification while we joy in our justification being made right with God. Now, if you're here this morning, you're not a believer, I'm going to invite you to listen in and look in. Listen in and look into the text, because I would plead with you to experience this joy. You, you could, you, you may have not, but to experience this joy, right? You have to come to a point where you believe you are a sinner and you need grace and God will save you through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, Jesus And so you can experience what I'm getting ready to walk through in this text this morning. And so listen in. For those who are in this room and know these truths, may by God's grace, please do not be bored by this. If this bores you and you've heard it over and over and over again, you may need to listen and look in as well. And ask the question, do you know the Savior this morning? Because this news in this text radically changes hearts. And so let's unpack it. Here we go. Number one, let's rejoice. Let us rejoice for we have peace with God through Christ. All other religions, right? All other religions apart from Christianity teach to acquire peace. It is left up to you. And the Bible teaches and That it's told in this text this morning that to be at total peace with God, it's left up to him. And this is what he does. Notice in verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified, this has happened to us by God. By faith. We simply believe. We trust. Since we have been justified. Right? Watch this. We have peace with God. So having peace with God is directly Connected to what God has done in his son. Now, what's interesting about this text is this, this word peace, right? It's, it's not the idea of this subconscious thought of where it's just the, the opposite of maybe disarray that, that, and, and where like you get all the dishes done, right? And you, the house is clean and you just sit down and it's peaceful, right? That's not the kind of peace he's talking about. This is the kind of peace that's opposite from war, This is the kind of peace that he's talking about. What Paul is saying, listen, listen, we were at war with God and yet God, and and even worse than that, God was at war with us. His wrath, his wrath was at war upon those who don't know Christ and will be upon those who don't know Christ. And yet the gospel and the good news of being justified, being made right with God, his wrath will not war against us because of Christ. That's the type of peace we have with God. That's good news this morning, providence. Listen, the joys of justification. Notice verse one. Imagine the reader, right? I mean, he, he, he does it in 23 and 24, and then he changes the pronouns from him, and he, talking about Abraham, to we, and to us, and to our. And so since we have been justified, and we have peace with God, Colossians 1.20 says it like this, making peace by the blood of his cross, right? This is, this is war. T- Jesus went to war for us. Providence this morning. Listen, hey, th- this isn't a surrender agreement or a ceasefire agreement. Jesus is, in essence, the ultimate peace treaty worker, right? He has made peace with God Almighty. Notice the joys of justification. They continue in verse 2. Now watch this in verse 2. Watch what happens. Now through him, Now, we've seen through Jesus, right? We're justified to have peace through Jesus. He's Lord, right? Notice in verse 2, through him, that's Jesus, we have also obtained access by faith, watch this, into what? This grace. So all of this justification, it's grace. It's this grace. It's this gift. It's this free gift. So we've obtained access into this grace, in which we now stand. We're in a right standing with God. That, that's just mind-boggling to think, because I know my heart, I'm the worst sinner that I know. I'm messed up. I know you're messed up. right? And, and yet, yet, we're in a right standing with God. How in the world can that be? It's because of the blood of Christ. We're saved by that, but we also stand by that. Oh, this is, this is tremendous good news this morning. Providence. Listen, we have... We have access, now listen, watch this, watch this, we have 24-7 access. I mean, you lived in the Old Testament, and you're a priest in the Old Testament, once a year, that priest has access into the Holy of Holies, behind the veil, to where this incredible presence of God was, and even then, the Old Testament priest, they tie a rope around his leg, just in case he got struck down from some sin he had in the holiness of God, and they pull him out, you imagine that? I'm just curious if it was ever an account of that. I don't it necessarily record, but is where they had to pull them out once a year with the rope into the presence, and we have twenty-four-seven access because of what Christ has done to the presence of God. This is tremendous this morning, and the peace. Because listen, the peace that comes with that. I, I've, I've had. I've been granted access right, to certain things that have caused joy, but it's always faded. I remember I went over to England one time. I was there for a one-week class, intensive class. I flew in a day early to catch my breath because it could be a nine to 12, 12 hours a day of study. I don't have that much capacity. And so I got there early, got some hot tea, drank tea over there in England, and and, and just, it, it was there. And then I found out that Wimbledon was taking place, right? I'm not a big tennis guy, just too big to move that much. And so, so, but, 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 but I I was like, I like it. It's cool. So I took the train outside of London uh, to the little village and I was surprised. It's just a little village. And, and I get there and I notice there's a line that's six hours long. And as two people come out, they let two people in. (laughs) I'm like, this isn't going well. Right? And so I started, I was with a buddy of mine. He was in seminary and we were together and sort of a friend and kind of mentoring and encouraging and he uh, it was, it was setting a trajectory for pastoral ministry. And so we were doing this together. It was fun. He was a great friend, still is. And, and so we're standing there said, man, we gotta pray. We gotta think through because I, I need access. To it. All I wanted was a t-shirt. I really didn't care about the matches, right? And so, I'm like, let's figure this out. So we go to the exit, where the exit, and this sweet little lady comes out. She had this cool Ireland accent, and, uh, and so we began to talk, and I was like, man, listen, I know this sounds crazy, but uh, because if you have the band, if you have the band on, you can get back in the exit, right? And I said, man, this sounds crazy, but listen, um, can I borrow your band? <laughs> all wants a T-shirt, right? And uh, 10 minutes access just to run. I just want to check the place out. I'll come right back out. And we had a sweet little conversation. She, she was so sweet. And, and she, 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 she believed, right? I'm unbelievable. And, and so she takes it off and she gives it to me. Now, because I'm encouraging the younger guy with me to stay there and talk to her right, while I go in. And, and so that's just the beauty of mentoring younger guys, right? And so, so, so he's standing there. And, uh, and actually, he shared the gospel with it. was kind of cool. And so, so I run in. And when I went in, my buddy tells me later, she looks at him, she goes, do you think he'll actually come back? (laughs) And and he's like, oh yeah, he'll come back. So I got myself and my buddy a t-shirt, saw it, and then ran back out, gave it to her. He had the opportunity to share the gospel, the good gospel conversation, and we left. And I just, I don't even know where that t-shirt is, right? Because I mean, it faded. It's gone. I think it's in probably in Goodwill somewhere here in Raleigh at a store, right? And that little man granted me Yes, access. Listen, we have full access to the grace and the mercy of God, His presence. Think about that. My daughter, sometimes one of them, boy, it's when a storm comes, and I was like this when I was little, right? And the storm come and the lightning flashes. Um, there's a, there's a, an intensity in the house, the thunder, right? We're trying to do That's God playing the drums, and, and, and there's this loudness going on. Um, she'll come r- running in, and now, now what's interesting is she's with us, right, in the house, but there's a difference in being with us and being in the bed with us, right? being in our presence, right? She's in the house with us, but then when she comes in, she's in our presence, where there's a deep peace that comes. And what's fascinating is that she has access to our bid 24-7. She, she has, she's my daughter, right? I would do anything for her. She has full access to mom and dad at any time, Right? And, and, and when she comes in and we cuddle, we pray, we cuddle, and then the storm's still going, but man, she goes back to sleep because she's in the presence of dad and she knows she can come to dad at any time, right? Listen, this is what's going on. We have full access to dad. <laughs> we have full access. In the storms of life, we have full access Right? You're going through a storm this week. He's there. He, he's ready. He has made a way for you. He's granted a way for you to receive, Hebrews 4, grace in the time of need. Oh, listen. Listen. How much more do we as adopted sons and daughters and have attained this access by the grace of God in Christ, does this cause us to rejoice what, what causes you to rejoice? Listen, if you are looking for deep joy, for joy again, joy again, joy again, in money or finances or relationships or control or status, whatever it is, it won't last. It's going to fade like my blue shirt faded. Listen, listen. If there's anxiety. Maybe not only in this life, but to face the afterlife. There is, that, that war has, has been accomplished because of the blood of Christ. Take hope this morning, rejoice in that glorious truth. Notice secondly, quickly, that we can rejoice. Let us rejoice, for in pain, hope grows. So in pain, right, hope grows from God's love being poured out by His Spirit. This, this, 11 verses has the Trinity all in it, talking about God and the Father and the, and the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit's poured out, this, this love that fills our soul that allows us to even have peace in the midst of pain. And notice what happens. Notice what happens in this verse 3. More than that, we rejoice in sufferings. Now there's one key word for you to rejoice in sufferings, um, to, to just say that's one thing I think Paul's helping us here in verse 3. There's a huge verb here that, that says knowing. So there's something that we need to know in order to rejoice in suffering. There's something that we need to know. And what he tells us, right, I'm going to unpack this real quick. But what he tells us, I'm going to give you the end first, and then we'll back it up, the truck up, and then go back through it. But he's going to tell us that there's hope and that this love of God has been poured out. So there's a way for us to endure through suffering. So we've got to know, we've got to know that God loves us so much, right? He didn't spare His Son for us. So there's a deep love that He has shown and manifested to us because of His Son. So knowing that, it produces a hope, right? A hope, uh, hopefully even verse 2 says this hope of glory of God, right? E- eternal speak, eternally speaking, and, and then we can rejoice in the suffering. So what happens? Why this suffering? Well, the word suffering now, There's principles that are going to apply to this suffering if you're going through sickness, cancer, financial woes, whatever. But I think contextually what the Bible's teaching in this particular passage, because the word can also be translated tribulations. I believe it's ultimately the tribulations and the persecutions that we face because we're taking a stand for the gospel, right? I mean, you, you read the New Testament, I mean, it's rated R in some places, right? I mean, the violence, it's all, I mean, they're just taking a stand, right? Trying to take a stand for the king. 11 of the 12 followers were martyred. One ended up, right, cast away on an island. I mean, Stephen, stoned to death, Acts 7. I mean, this is no light, like, fun, bedtime reading. <laughs> and so this is what I think he's saying, that we can rejoice in these sufferings for taking a stand. So as we live life on mission and know that all who desire to live a godly life, Second Timothy tells us, there will be persecution right? So, so, but we can rejoice in that. Why? Here's the question. Why? Because it's through this that he is conforming us to his son, right? He's, he's conforming us. Notice what happens. Let's just walk through it. Unpack it really quick. Suffering produces. Three times you see the word produce. So suffering's producing this endurance, and then endurance is producing this character, and this character produces hope. And then it says, and this hope does not put us to shame. So let's think about this for, for just a second. It's, it's like the idea of ingredients in a cake. Right? Think about it, right? My, my wife's a phenomenal cook, and I, I love when she's making cakes and stuff because I'm always in there trying to, to get some of the, the batter. But I never like, knock her out of the way to, to, to get to the baking soda. It's nasty, right? And, and I'm not gonna just like eat some of the egg yolk that hadn't been cooked or anything. And then the, the sugar and the salt, like all these things individually are, are I'm, like, I'm kind of like, I'm having something going on in my mouth right now just thinking about it, right? Nasty. But when you put them all together and then you get the KitchenAid out and it, right? And then you cook it, whew, it goes under some heat, Right? It produces something that's incredible. And this is what's happening. Right? When we, we go through, no one, no one likes to have to just endure, but it's producing something. And character's being shaped and challenged as the Spirit's working, you're enduring. Right? And, then, and then there's a hope. And this type of hope, what he says, it, it, it doesn't put us to shame. It doesn't mean that like, to be ashamed, the word can be translated from the Greek to Disappoint. Right? So this hope that we're going through, man, we're, we're enduring some hard times, it's producing a hope, then that hope at the end of what it produces is not going to disappoint you. That's where he's going with this. It's, it's not a hope like our Wisconsin fans, right? Oh, somebody, somebody from Wisconsin, they just shut off, put the earplugs in, they're done listening, Right? No, my, na- my neighbor, right, my neighbor, who uh, uh, c- this is a great friend. They're, they're coming to Providence now, good friend. And uh, he, he, uh, he comes over. He goes, man, you won't believe what happened. I'm like, what happened? He goes, my brother called me and said, let's try to scalp tickets for the game, Monday night game. And, uh, because in their eyes, the championship game was really Saturday in one sense. Right? So this brother, he drives 10 hours to Indy, gets in at midnight. The next morning, he catches some Kentucky fans leaving. <laughs> Hello? Right, some cheap tickets. <laughs> right, they just want to get rid of them. So he scouts, gets tickets. He's on the lower level on Monday night with seventy-one thousand people, right. and that hope that night was disappointing. Matter of fact, that was a long ten-hour drive back, <laughs> right? Because it disappointed. See, see, earthly hope always, always what's attached to earthly hope is uncertainty. Right. Biblical hope, there's always an attachment. A full certainty, a full certainty, and then you can ask. Here's how you say, Dave. How can I know that the God's for me? How can I know? How can I be hopeful going through a hard time as a believer? That's a great question, right? It's because God's love has been poured has been not will be but has been poured out. Into your heart. And then you push it. Let me push in a little bit more. Right? You ask, how how much love has he pushed into your heart? How much love has he shown you? That's where we look to Good Friday, right? Right? People say, man, this is how much he loves you. This is how much he loves you. The cross. (laughs) You you won't get any... It will not get any better than that. You want certainty of hope. You look at the provision he made to absorb the wrath of God in your place. And the provision, the, the provision was not a lamb, it was a human, his son, Jesus the Christ, who absorbed every drop of the wrath of God on your behalf. That's hope. That's hope. So so as we move forward and we take steps forward and life gets harder, right? I mean, it's just hard. And then then we're going to do a lot of funerals, right? There's one thing that every one of us in this room have in common, 100% in common, we're all going to taste death at some point in time, right? And there's hope, right? Because as we move closer to that day, we look back at another day. And what God has accomplished. This is how his love has been Poured out. Well, how do, how, do I, how do I continue in this? Listen, Hebrews 12 says, Consider him, consider him, who endured for, from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Oh, in your struggle against sin, you've not resisted to the point of the shedding of blood. And so all suffering in one sense, right, points us to the Savior's suffering and reminds us of the love of God. And so, yes, there's peace and pain. And, yes, I'm not going to diminish it any way, shape, or form. Some of you are grieving. Some of you have had loss, and there's grieving. But there's not grieving, the Scriptures teach, for the believer, for the follower of Christ. It's not grieving in such a way that there's no hope. Oh, there's great hope. There's great, great hope, Right? And so let us listen. Let us rejoice like we have peace with God, right? Yes, we have peace with God. Let, let us rejoice, right, that, that in pain, hope grows. Hope grows. And then third, as we close it down, listen, let us rejoice for we have a pardon for our sin by God through Christ. Now, I'm going to walk through 6 through 11 because 6 through 11 is fascinating text because it points out the many different things that we are apart from Christ. Notice in verse 6, while we were still weak at the right time. For, for, and then verse 7, verse 7 is like this, uh, it's, it's, it's like this illustration, this hypothetical situation. Look, look, at the, look at the text. It says, one will scarcely die, maybe somebody, but scarcely died uh, for a righteous person, Though perhaps uh, for a good person, one, one would even dare to die. Listen to that word, scarcely and dare even to die, right? There's hesitation even in this hypothetical situation. One would scarcely die for a righteous person, uh, but perhaps a good person, one would even dare to die. But n- that's neither of us. <laughs> not, neither of us, we're, we're not righteous, we're, we're sinners. We're weak. Look at verse 8, what he says. God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, so we didn't get things cleaned up and then come to God, we come to God and he cleans it up. And and, and we're all still a work in process. He says, Christ died for us. Second time he said that. Notice verse nine. Since therefore now we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, so we're weak, (laughs) We're still sinners, we're enemies, right? I mean, we're we're ungodly, right? That that even the text says that that there's an ungodliness. He died for the ungodly. This is who we are apart from Christ. Now, I love this text in verse 9 through 10. It just, much more, much more, right? By justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God. But while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. One writer says it like this. Listen to me. I'll close it down. His death is the basis of our justification and our reconciliation. And his life, resurrected life, is the basis of our sanctification and our ultimate salvation. Another writer says, man, how much more can I take? If God brought us to himself while we were enemies, how much more now reconciled will he keep us saved by the life of his son? If the dying Savior reconciled us to God, surely the living Savior can and will keep us reconciled. Oh, this text teaches a beautiful doctrine of the perseverance, right, of those who he's called, right, Those who he's called. We believe here, prophets, you cannot lose your salvation. Not because of what we've done. We didn't do anything to earn it, to get in. We can't do anything to get out, right? This is what he has done. He will keep what he's doing. He's affirming these believers who are going to endure trials of of various sorts, including death, for following Christ. They're saying, listen, there's nothing. That's why Romans 8 goes going to a crescendo where there's, there's nothing that can separate us from this love. Nothing on the planet. That can separate us from this love. Oh, be encouraged. Listen, what he started in redemption, he will bring to completion. Think about being pardoned for just a second, right? Think about just being pardoned for just a second. It's, it's, like, it's like being daylight all the time. And what do I mean by that? I mean this. At night, right, we see, we see the stars, and then in the daytime, we, we, we don't see the stars, but we know the stars are there. And this is way it is like, to be pardoned is to like live in daylight all the time. To be pardoned is like the idea of, of our sins, past, present, and future are never seen by God because, because he's, in, in Christ, he's covered those. If you've repented and trusted and placed your faith in him, right? Now there's consequences and, and there's some chaos that can come, but the beauty of being pardoned by God. It's like walking in the daylight all the time. The sun is shining so bright. You know stars are there, but you can't see them. And, and the same idea, right? The, the sun, the S O N, is always there. And, and the, the stars, the sins of our stars, right? He, he, we're being reminded. We're being reminded. First John 1 9 says, that If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive. And we continue to walk in the light, and the light shines brighter and brighter and brighter until one day when we are with the sun, there'll be no need for the sun because the glory of his face will fill the heavenly realm. Oh, what a day that will be. Recent research shows even that on the health benefits of forgiveness and being pardoned, right? There's a study that has been called, this is what's been called, Forgive to Live. College psychologist. And her team, her colleagues, investigated relationships among forgiveness and shows that forgiveness can extend life. Church, listen. There's forgiveness that's offered by God through His Son that extends life. And it extends it into eternity. Away from a place called hell into a place called heaven with the presence of God and the kingdom of God. And this is good news this morning for us. And so, if you're here this morning, you know this truth. Listen, may it stir up. May it cause you to joy again. May it cause you to joy again. And for some of you who are looking for joy in all the wrong places, listen, we'd invite you to consider this man named Jesus and place your faith and trust in this man. And I promise you, it's not necessarily going to be easier. Matter of fact, it might get harder. But there's a depth of joy that comes and hope that comes that even through endurance, hope is, is growing. Hope is growing. May it be so. Father, we pray today that you would allow these things to take place in our heart. God, I pray that you would remind us this morning of all that you've accomplished in the gospel, in this good news that we sing about that we teach about, that we talk about, that we savor and that we share. And Father, that these truths from this text and from this book would, would, would as, as we go through these amazing truths, God, that these truths would go through us and that you would continue to shape and continue to mold our hearts to have great affections for you, so much so that not only would our heart almost explode, but our mouths would open and that we would share this good news, Father. So grant us, Father, just from this text today, um, great, great fuel for our faith to keep believing and keep enduring. And Father, that you would encourage us to even share this week. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.